You've arrived at episode 141. Do you struggle with anxiety, depression, or even brain fog, maybe an inability to focus or concentrate? After the last year and a half, it's rare to find someone that hasn't felt the mental health burden of what is happening in the world at this current time. But as is the theme of these podcast episodes that I put together, there is a lot you can do about it. And today's conversation is about how the state of your gut and microbiome can directly contribute to poor states of mental health and equally what we need to change to have our food behaviours lead to strong guts and stable minds. If you need to work on your mental health and I'd hazard a guess that you do because, well, you're human, then this episode is definitely for you. Let's dive into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? We're back here on the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast with another amazing guest. Before we get stuck into this conversation, it's my mission to coach 250 busy mums to reclaim their health and self-confidence before the end of December 2021. And if you want to get involved with that, scroll down to the show notes below and join our Facebook group. We would love to have you. Now, today's guest also featured on episode 53 of this show. So once you're done with this episode, jump on your app, go for a bit of a 90-ish episode scroll and check out episode 53. And if you happen to not remember who was on episode 53, and we'll excuse you because it's likely you've had a sleep since then, then let me introduce you. We have the amazing naturopath, nutritionist, and Western medical herbalist that specializes in small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, otherwise known as SIBO. And who is that person? I'm talking about Kirsten Green. Originally from South Africa, trained and qualified in Australia, Kirsten has taken her gut health wizardry all over the globe, from here in Australia to South Africa and Europe, and also consults with clients worldwide via the interwebs. Her primary focus is helping women heal their digestive issues so they can enjoy a loving relationship with their body and food. Having been through SIBO and suffering digestive issues herself for many years, Kirsten has gone from living with an extreme fear of food due to bloating, weight gain and discomfort to having a healthy functioning digestive system and a sound relationship with all food. And of course, is SIBO free to this day along with hundreds of her clients and I'm lucky enough to call her my friend. So welcome back to the show, friend. How are you? Oh my goodness, what an intro. Thank you, Maddie. <laughs> I'm fabulous, thank you. Well deserved. Oh, you. <laughs> For everybody listening, I was just saying before we hit record that I'm basically trying to be Kirsten because she's so amazing. <laughs> You're such a legend. <laughs> What's going on in the SIBO world? Well, lots of SIBO stuff, lots of bloating, mm-hmm. lots of healings, lots of... Good. good good vibes. Yeah. Just um, finishing off another round of SIBO Freedom, going through mm-hmm. the transformations and it's amazing. Super, super cool. Love my I work. love hearing that. And I guess over the last few weeks, we've kind of been going back and forth, throwing around ideas to, to chat about. And that's one of the good things about having friends on the show is that we can, you know, do a bit of a brainstorm. Um, and so we were kind of toying with the idea of, you know, diving into the mental health component a little bit and the relationship between gut health and mental health because 
basically anyone listening in this is probably in a country where they're in this what the hell is going on with the world right now kind of tornado that we're all experiencing. And so, you know, it's not a chapter that anyone asked for, that anyone wanted or, you know, that anybody knows what to do with in this scenario. And so there's a lot of people that that I'm seeing through the work that I do that are experiencing like the COVID kilos, like people that never thought they would ever get weight gain, had a healthy relationship with food and have gained weight for the first time ever because of all sorts of different reasons. And, And I guess as well, it's the same with mental health, right? Is that so many people that thought, you know, I'm happy and life's not too bad and things are good are experiencing this kind of mental health component, which is sort of contributed to by the diet, which we'll get into. And we're seeing record number of psychologists booked out for years, record suicide rates. So I'd love it if we can dive into your work about how our, the relationship we have with food and the, the food and diet that we live by contributes to our gut. And then how our gut then sends messages to our brain that maybe doesn't set us up for the greatest perspective in the world. Cool. I love it. I'm so big on this topic, the gut and the brain and our mental health and our physical health and our emotional health, they all come together. You can't separate them. So, and it can have a negative effect, like in one can spiral down the other, but it can also have a positive effect. Look after one, it looks after the other, it looks after the other. So that's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. And I guess it's that idea or that sort of more natural holistic perspective of, you know, it's an in, we're one entire system made up of lots of smaller systems. So the food that we put into our stomach doesn't just affect our microbiome and our gut health and our poop, but it also all the molecules from the food go to other places in the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our ability to digest and not just digest them and eat them, but our ability to absorb them will have a huge impact on how they are used and do they cause inflammation, do they cause problems, or do they actually help us? So we're not just yeah. what we eat, we are what we absorb as well, 100%. Totally. And so we're well, getting into that. So when it comes to the mental health piece, what would be going on in the gut for us to not be absorbing, not just eating but absorbing, the right minerals, nutrients, macro and micronutrients that would contribute to a, you know, stable or in control state of mental health. Ooh, I'm going to go down the little rabbit hole and I can go down into the micro and then we can zoom back out and go into the macro. So say when you are eating your food, say you put your food into your mouth. If once it passes your mouth, we kind of lose conscious control of what happens. So I think unless you a master of your body, you can't consciously control how much stomach acid you're going to release. So we need to rely on the systems of our body. Unless you're a Zen master. Totally. <laughs> it's, I believe it's possible, but I think for most people, it's probably not. <laughs> so totally. we need our stomach acid to break down our proteins. And then once it gets into our small intestine, we need these things called the brush border enzymes, which we find on the lining of our small intestine on the villi and the microvilli. But if these have been damaged from stress or poor food, then we haven't got as many of them available to break down our food. And then most of the digestion and absorption happens in our small intestine. So if this part of our digestive system isn't working so well, then the food can just, one, not get digested properly and it can sit there and it can ferment or it can pass through too fast. So you can have the best diet in the whole wide world, but if you can't absorb the nutrition from it, you can end up starving of your nutrients. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's quite, that's um, micro in terms of how we break it down. Um, but then if you zoom back out, so in these weird, weird times with COVID, with lockdown, with people not being able to work and the huge amounts of stress, 
the body will go into a state of stress if it's facing a threat or if it's facing a perceived threat. So we might know that being stuck in our apartment all day, every day is not going to kill us right now, but the body can still respond as if it will. So the body can go into the stress mode, which we often refer to as our fight or flight mode. So that's our sympathetic nervous system. Then our digestive system, it functions in the parasympathetic nervous system, our rest and digest. So they'll always both be working, but one will always be dominant. And then the dominant one will shut down the other one. So if we're in a state of stress, our digestive system gets shut down. It will still work, but not at its optimum capacity. So that might mean that we might not be producing enough stomach acid. That might mean that our stomach can stay in knots. So then how's our food meant to pass through at the rate that it should when all those muscles are tightly contracted? So yeah, stress response. Stress does kill. It absolutely does, just slowly and steadily. And it makes sense too when you think about the idea of the human in the wild that like if you're being, you know, the example everybody uses is of often the being chased by a saber-toothed tiger or something like that. But if we put that in a modern context, if there's a car veering out of control and it's coming directly at you, it makes sense that your body's like, hey, look, we're probably not going to digest this salad because we, we don't want to die from this two-ton you know, this, this two ton of metal that's flying towards us, right? So it makes sense that the body does that. But the problem is that we actually, our intellectualization of what stress is actually threatening our survival and isn't, it doesn't actually make it into our nervous system, right? Exactly, exactly. So like, what's the point in being able to digest your salad if you're dead? So survival instinct is going to trump <laughs> everything. <laughs> survival instinct is going to trump everything. Um, and then also back in the day when you were getting chased by a saber-toothed tiger, um, mm-hmm. or even say they often use the example of the lion with the gazelle. So say the gazelle mm-hmm. is running away from the lion. It's in full flight or flight, flight or fight <laughs> mode while it's running away from the lion. But then say that gazelle sees that the lion has now caught a different gazelle, it knows that it is safe. So it can switch very quickly and easily back into its parasympathetic nervous system because it now knows that it's out of danger. It's okay to be safe. It's okay to go back to eating that grass. So you'll see like pictures in National Geographic where that gazelle over there is eating grass happily. That gazelle's getting munched. Sorry. But these days, because we're constantly facing little stresses over and over and over, our body doesn't get to shift into the parasympathetic nervous system as often as it should. So we stay in this constant stress mode way too long. In your experience, do people sort of get stuck there and sort of develop maybe a stress resistance or a a cortisol resistance and cortisol and adrenaline being the two most commonly spoken about stress hormones? Do you find that that is a feature of people that then go on to develop gut issues or even SIBO? 100%. To absolutely do. Uh, people ask me often, like, what is the leading cause of SIBO? So, like, the symptoms that you might get from SIBO is like bloating, you could have constipation, diarrhea, mm-hmm. food intolerances within the digestive system. But then outside of that, you get the food fear. So then you get the anxiety, then you get the stress. And mm-hmm. I often get asked what I think is the leading cause of SIBO. And you might read on the internet that people say it's low stomach acid or food poisoning. But underneath that or behind that, I absolutely believe it is chronic long-term or a big stressor for sure. It's more that functional medicine thinking of really digging back to the core of the problem. 
Yeah, because you could, again, have the best diet in the whole wide world, but if your body is in fight or flight mode, it won't be able to digest it properly. Food mm -hmm. that's not digested properly, one, you don't get your nutrients, but it also creates a mess in your digestive system. It'll create fermentation, the, the mm -hmm. protein can putrefy, that can lead to an overgrowth of the kind of bacteria that you don't want, and you can starve the bacteria that you do want. That can lead to inflammation in the digestive mm -hmm. system, things that we call endotoxins. One mm -hmm. in particular is lots of lipopolysaccharides. And then if your gut health is bad, chances are you've probably got some degree of leaky gut or intestinal permeability. And then this mess that you've created, not created, shame, this mess that has come to be there can then leak through into your bloodstream and it can really cause issues with inflammation body-wide. And a big topic that I'd love to chat about today is that it can cause inflammation in the brain, which feels mm -hmm. like feelings of depression and anxiety. So it's so connected. Yeah, I love that you that you share this because it's kind of coincidental. I was, as I was saying to you before we hit record, I had a big client day today and one of my clients, the, the conversation is often about uh, stress and busyness and things like that. And I'm also a part of a uh, summit that's going on at the minute and there's 21 speakers and my client had also watched that and she said, you know, I listen to all of these talks about different parts of nutrition or weight loss or whatever, and everyone just ends their talk with, yeah, but it's actually all caused by stress. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish more people would listen. We can hear, but do we listen? I always with my clients, I am drumming it in, drumming it in, drumming it in, and I, I preempt it. It's like, you got to hear this a lot from me, but I repeat mm -hmm. it because it needs to be repeated. So. Absolutely. And I think as well, it's, you know, for everybody listening that as much as we drum, drum it in and repeat it to, to our clients and to listeners, you know, it is changing your lifestyle from what you believe it should be is not an overnight journey because you're changing mm -hmm. the paradigm of the way that you exist in your own reality. And so mm -hmm. going from having a story of being a busy person or a stress head or whatever it might be for you that you're like, you know, always wired in this way that you're responding to this to then being like, oh, it is okay to take time for myself. And it is actually, it's okay. It's actually healthy for the family if I take a break from the kids, yeah. you know, and yeah. not feeling, you know, mum guilt's a real thing. And, and so, you know, it's not an overnight thing, but listening to this podcast is obviously a good step. <laughs> <laughs> 100% for the busy mums, for the busy executives, for anyone that's busy. Um, I've also, I noticed a correlation between type A personalities and digestive issues. Mm -hmm. Holding up my hand, I am a recovering type A. <laughs> um, but self I'm probably still a type A. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> um, Self-care is a strategy. So self-care is not a luxury, it is a strategy. If you look mm -hmm. after yourself, everything else will go better. So if it's in business, like self-care, like I am so on top of my self-care, I always like to say I'm not perfect. I am just very mm -hmm. well practiced now. Like my habits and routines now serve me versus work against me. So don't feel like... I love that reframe. Mm -hmm. So like anyone that's too busy and if you haven't got time to sit down and eat your meal, that's that's a problem. So you need to make time to relax. You need to make time for self-care. Otherwise, you'll fall apart and then you'll need to make time for sickness. So that'll be forced on you. 
Unfortunately so, but obviously we're going to hopefully change that story for you in some way. But yeah. you were talking about inflammation and so obviously mm. if people are stressed uh, and they've been stressed for a long time, they're putting foods in that may or may not be the right foods or the ideal foods or supportive foods and so over time they've developed this gut inflammation, whether it be as a result of you know the, the hormones that are perpetually in there all the time that shouldn't be or whether they've developed leaky gut from different types of food sources but there's this inflammation now you talked you mentioned before that you wanted to touch on this was how does that inflammation then translate to inflammation in the brain Mm, wonderful question thank you for asking Uh, so there's these little things called lipopolysaccharides or lps Mm -hmm. they are what we call an endotoxin that means that it is produced from within the body it's not something that we consume so Mm -hmm. these endotoxins are these lps they are in the shell of certain kinds of bacteria so the natural cycle of different bacteria going through death so they shed their shell so these lipopolysaccharides are shed into our digestive system so very 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 Mm -hmm. inflammatory in small enough amounts our body has enough defense mechanisms in place to control that inflammation there's um, specific short-term fatty acids like butyrate that helps you control it produced by a good bacteria so when that's Mm -hmm. in balance it's not so much a problem but if there's too much of these bacteria collectively we call them proteobacteria so if you've done a test you can have a look for those if you've done a test have a look at the percentage you want them to be under four percent that's the kind of level that our body can handle so these lipopolysaccharides are super 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 inflammatory and then if someone's got leaky gut or intestinal permeability they can travel into the bloodstream and then we have a blood brain barrier as well which is similar to our gut barrier so if our gut barrier is leaky then the brain barrier can also be leaky and then so the brain is drawing blood to, to get all the nutrients. So it draws in these lipopolysaccharides as well, which causes mm-hmm. inflammation in the brain. So if you have inflammation in the brain, it sounds way worse. It sounds like, what are you talking about? But it's a thing. Uh, you'll probably feel depressed. You'll probably feel anxious. You might have brain fog, like where mm-hmm. it's a like cotton wool in your brain. You can't get your sentences out. Your memory is affected. Mm-hmm. It just does not feel nice. And there's a cool little side fact that, oh, cool, not cool. I can use that word better sometimes. Um, This is how scientists test their pharmaceutical antidepressants. They will test these poor little mice with lipopolysaccharides, then give them a dose of the pharmaceutical antidepressant to see if it's ineffective. But most Mm -hmm. pharmaceutical antidepressants are what we call SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So that's to do Mm -hmm. with serotonin. That's not to do with inflammation. So it's for sure connected with brain health. Like serotonin is very, very important. And also side note, most of it of our serotonin is produced in our digestive system via bugs, like up to 96%, certain studies will say. Mm-hmm. So you need to, we can have these symptoms of depression and anxiety, but you need to find out why you're having them. So they can be the same symptom for 10 different people, but the reason why you're having it could be different. But yeah. this inflammation in the gut thing is such a big connection. And then also with stress, so uh, you mentioned our stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. So cortisol is the one that helps us make the best decisions in the shortest amount of time, very useful mm-hmm. in life or death situations. But when we have an excess of it and it's circulating around the body, that's not great. One of the things in terms of our gut health, cortisol can cause the tight junctions of our digestive system to separate. So that, that gut lining, they should fit together like teeth. Cortisol gets mm-hmm. these teeth to separate and that's the leaky gut. So if you have lots of cortisol, and then you could probably almost definitely going to have leaky gut, and then you've got this mess in your digestive system, that's going to go body-wide and often into the brain as well. 
Yeah, so it's going to go systemic as a result of just going across the stomach barrier into the blood and then be distributed everywhere basically. Yeah, everything everything is connected, 100%. Yeah. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you'll receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. And you you touched on um, serotonin there. So we're talking obviously neurotransmitters and to go back to sort of where you started you you talked about the idea of you know we aren't necessarily what we eat we are what we absorb so I know that from different types of diets or different even going through periods of fad dieting and this is not even just including just the stress piece because add the stress on top that this sort of concoction that life has put together uh, can result in not absorbing the right amount of the vitamins that formulate our neurotransmitters, particularly the B vitamins, B1, B3, B12, folate, those types of things. And so like like you were sort of, you keep suggesting about going back to that cause, like what is the underlying factor? Mm, Yeah, totally. So serotonin is one of our neurotransmitters and it's known as like the happy hormone. It's known as our get up and go hormone. It helps with our self-confidence. It helps with our motivation. And yeah, studies have shown there's different numbers that they say, but the highest number that I've seen is that up to 96% of our serotonin is produced in the gut. So we rely on our good bacteria to help us produce it. When we talk about good bacteria, it's the kinds of bacteria that are like pro-life. So they help us with things. They give us good things. Whereas the bad bacteria, they are also there, but when they break down food, they don't do such nice things. So they can cause inflammation. They can give gas and they're not great. So when we have good amounts of bacteria in our gut, the good bacteria, then we can get more serotonin, which is going to help with our mood as well in another extra way. So we need lots of them. Um, And then also our good bacteria, I mentioned the short chain fatty acid. There's one called butyrate. So butyrate Mm -hmm. is a natural anti-inflammatory. So it can help to decrease inflammation that may be caused by stress or the foods that we're eating. It can also help with that gut lining. So it can help to seal up the gut. I like I don't like to think of good food versus bad food, but I often Mm -hmm. try to educate, educate my clients on everything that you choose to put through your mouth, food, drink, all of that, is either going to take you closer to your health goals or further away from. So when you face with this choice of what you're going to eat, it's like it's not that it's good, it's not that it's bad, 
is it going to make you feel better or is it going to make you feel bad overall? And is it going to take you closer to your goals or further away from? And mm. saying that, there are some foods that are health foods and there are some foods that are non-health foods, like our junk foods. And most mm. of us, I think, have a pretty good idea of what they are. We just yes. don't always pay attention to what we know. <laughs> and if you're thinking, oh, I can't eat that, like I can't eat the bread or I can't eat this or I can't eat that, like you can. You can absolutely eat anything you like. It just might not make you feel so great. So thinking about what your goals are and do you want to go closer or further away from every time you put something in your mouth? I think that's a good good question like uh, to give give people and, and if anybody leaves today's podcast with anything, just having that fork in the road at every food decision of being like, oh, you know, is this going to help or is this going to – and that's a, good, that's a good trauma reframe question too after when you're dealing with pain and suffering. Is this helping or is this harming? And it's like, mm. which way do I go? Yeah, true, true. That's really good. Um, I was going to go on another tangent there. And I which food? We can, <laughs> so many things that I could say. <laughs> I was going to say on on that sort of reframe with the with the food choices and and how to go about it. We were talking, and this was a couple of years ago. We both were sharing posts on this topic, um, and it was intuitive eating. And so, mm. I guess on the front end. When you haven't gone on a health journey or maybe even a spiritual journey is maybe the right thing. When, when we go to intuitive, most people think that's what I want right now. But the, the deeper sort of more empowered version of intuition and is, is what's right, not what is easy. And so, yeah. like, so you know, their intuitive eating at, at an evolved level is about still doing what you're saying, still making it's like it doesn't mean it's going to be what I want in the moment which some people sort of say intuitive eating is like, well, I want a pizza right now. But the high, <laughs> honoring your higher self, you know, the yeah. in- intuition that that higher self deserves is the right choice and not necessarily the one I want. <laughs> yeah. Another thing as well to think about, like if you know someone, if you think about your the future self that you want to be and then reverse engineer it into what habits does that person have to get to that level of health or whatever you want to achieve. And if you can't even imagine it for yourself, if you, I'm sure we've all got someone in our life that's higher up than we are or where we would like to be. If you think about mm-hmm. that person, think, what would Kirsten do here? <laughs> Sometimes my clients say that to me, like, I hear you in my head in the kitchen. What would Kirsten do? But it's helpful. Like, what habits do I have to get where I am now? Uh, and you can start to adopt those habits and routines, and that can really be helpful and simple. And remembering that all the little things add up. You don't need to do anything perfectly because that can create stress in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So looking for those little wins all the time and those little wins will add up. Super good. I love that. It's it's funny you say that. I was just, it's just the day where our topic happens to relate to my client sessions today. But one of the things that – because I always towards the end try and b- help help people build in accountability at home in my mm. absence. And one of yeah. my clients today, one of the things that he's going to do or his wife is going to do for him is say to him, what would Maddie do? <laughs> oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, totally. It absolutely helps. Absolutely helps. That's amazing. Totally. That's super cool. Another thing on – intuitive eating as well, when your body is in balance, you'll Mm. get better cues. When your body is out of balance, you'll get different cues. Like when you're stressed Mm -hmm. um, on a physiological level, if we go into our fight or flight state, which happens with another announcement of lockdown, which happens being stuck in your apartment, which happens with not being able to go to work. Mm -hmm. Um, When your body's in a state of stress, it's going to look for the high 
calorie dense foods because it's going into survival mode and with yeah. the fight or flight so there's actually four um four different things it's fight or flight freeze or appease so recovering people pleaser i would go into appease mode oh my gosh i'm so sorry what can i do mm-hmm. yeah that's good that's a good um, distinction thanks for sharing that yeah yeah so the fight or flight we need to be strong because we either need all our muscles to run away from this thing that's causing us danger or we need to stay in fight. So if we can get some immediate, easy to break down sugar, that's going to fuel the muscles. So on a physiological level, that's happening. So it makes sense that you're going to crave sugar when we're in our stress mode. So intuitive eating works when you're in a state of balance. So not if you are out of balance. And and that's kind of like my dad actually did a half marathon on the weekend, but they have like um, complex carbohydrate infused water. And it's mm. although it's not like, you know, running away from, um, you know, a car or a tiger, it's the same kind of idea is that you need all of your muscles. And so it's like, what's the mm. fastest stuff that I can get into my blood as fuel as quick as I can? So it makes sense. And when we're perpetually in this stress state, it's not just... I had one scary moment today and I ate a thing. It's like every day is stressful and scary. And so I ate the thing day after day after day. And then, you know, 10, 20 years down the line, I've got chronic gut health stuff. Yeah, that's such a shame. It happens. Totally. And, and, and we're all, you know, we're all humans. We've all been on our journey and we're all victims to the human condition. And, and, and in reality, the human brain is always looking for it's it's a it's a master of efficiency and that's why fad diets sell so much because al- although we intellectually at the front of our brain where, where we're being logical in the prefrontal cortex we're like i know it didn't work the last four times but the brain deeply wants efficiency it <laughs> totally truly wants a there. shortcut right but it, but yeah. we, we inherently want a shortcut because the brain wants to as fast as it can put that information into an automated system and so we jump at these things, whether it be the food, whether it be the diet, whether it be whatever shortcut, and inevitably it's not, right? And so we have to commit to like, oh, I have to do the one tweak a week, the slow journey to really get what I want. Yeah, and you'll get there faster. It just yes. seems slower <laughs> at the start, but you'll get there. I for sure, like I've been all through all the journeys, been through all the fad diets, done all the things. Mm-hmm. And the biggest changes I noticed with the gradual changes, but not even that long. I noticed like when I really got to work on my microbiome, like when I really, I switched to like mostly, uh, not strictly, but mostly um, whole food plant-based. Mm-hmm. And I just really made that my focus. Like you see it on, you see it everywhere. All the influencers saying, stop doing the diets, just live healthy. That's how you don't need to count calories. And like my body weight is amazing because I stopped dieting. It's like, oh, easy for you, blah, blah, blah. And then it was, it's actually true. It's actually true. <laughs> so now that I'd focus so much on my microbiome, my mood is so stable. It's really good. Awesome. Like I've had, I've had, I've been super depressed. I've been super anxious. I've been super apathetic. What is the point of life? I don't get it. Um, and I used to really obsess about my body weight. Um, now it is super stable. I don't weigh. I don't need to because I know that my clothes feel good. I'm strong. I'm healthy. And it all goes by focusing on health. And then everything else comes back into balance or where it should be. A physical, mm-hmm. mental, and emotional health. Yeah, no, and yeah, getting to that point. But but would you agree or disagree? Um, you're welcome to disagree. Healthy okay. debate is encouraged. Um, <laughs> but also, there's there's two ideas there. So especially with your the people that you work with with SIBO and gut health stuff, is that there's one thing which is like 
stop worrying about food, just do you, be healthy and you'll be great, which is this sort of non-restrictive, non-deprivation de- de- uh, sort of mindset, which is awesome, 100% support it. However, when you're actually trying to fix or heal something, mm. there needs to be a therapeutic response, which unfortunately may or may not come with some limitations in order to get over a few hurdles before we can get to that state. Totally. Totally. I tell my clients, it's what you do most of the time, not what you do some of the time that counts. However, when you're in treatment, be super specific. I like to use the word specific rather than restricted. So it is important to be super specific when you are in treatment because you're doing a treatment protocol. So it's like treatment food, treatment herbs if needed, Mm. treatment supplements if needed. Because if you, I love my little analogies. So if you've got a scab on your knee, they cut your knee, now you've got a scab. If you pick that scab just once or twice a week, just a little pick, It'll heal, but it'll take so much longer than if you just left it alone. So if Mm. you're doing a treatment plan and you follow your treatment plan very specifically, you're going to get better so much faster and you're going to get your your life back so much faster. Mm. So I'm 100% with you there. I don't feel it's... Um, it's not about giving yourself an easy time or like, oh, just have the chocolate ice cream once a week. It's not going to make that big a deal. It actually can. So again, thinking back, is it going to take me closer to or further away from my goals? Yeah. When you're in main, when you're in maintenance, then for sure, it's what you do most of the time, not what you do some of the time, but in the treatment, the different story. Totally. So I guess for everybody listening, where can people begin to sort of, because we're all you know, this chapter's not over. People's mental health is all over the place. So from a gut health diet perspective, where is a good place to start to just start recovering some things or stabilizing some things? I I have a little handout. I think it's on my website or it's the, um, I talk about the eight healthy habits of digestion mm-hmm. and you need to have these in place before trying anything else. I think something mm-hmm. people, uh, again, with the brain wanting like the quick fix kind of thing, like, oh, it's about this food and I need this exact form of this specific supplement and, oh, it's to do with my MTHFR mutation. If you mm-hmm. zoom back out and get your habits in place, this is, uh, you can't expect to be healthy if you don't have these habits in place. And the number mm-hmm. one that I put on there is deep breathing. So deep breathing into your belly, making your exhales longer than your inhales. This is one of the only scientifically proven ways that we can consciously put ourselves from our sympathetic fight or flight into our parasympathetic nervous system. So this is you being able to control your breath, which can then control your stomach acid and getting more of it control the contractions through your digestive system. So this deep breathing will turn on your rest and your digest. And it's nice to do like a little challenge. You can do like a 10-day challenge where you do 10 in the morning, 10 at night, 10 before your meals. And even if you didn't change anything else, see the impact that that has on your digestion. So rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, like how bloated are you, how much physical energy you have, scale of 1 to 10, and then reevaluate out the other side. The scale of 1 to 10 is really good to track your progress because we can say, ah, I'm tired. Uh, I'm tired today. I'm tired tomorrow. But yeah, but how tired? Are you improving or are you not? So that's really good. Um, chewing your food. It sounds ridiculous that I have to say it, but it often gets missed. So we have our teeth in our mouth for a reason to break down the food into smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, smaller, smaller particles. That mm-hmm. makes it so much easier on the rest of your digestive system and so much easier for it to break down and absorb the nutrition from it. If your food particles are in big chunks, your body will struggle to break that down into small enough chunks to get the vitamins and minerals from. 
And especially if you are eating that diversity of plant foods, like the carbohydrate metabolism begins from the salivary amylase in the mouth, so yeah. which, which then triggers a few peptides in the stomach, right? So if you're actually skipping that whole step of digestion, you know, mm. there's, there's a whole bit that's missing and it gets to the gut and it's like, hang on, you haven't even dressed for the party. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so also if you're having like liquid stuff like soups or um, yeah, smoothies, smoothies or juices, keep it in your mouth as long as possible, mix it in with that saliva and get all those enzymes in there. Would you so, even encourage uh, to chew your smoothies, like to, to get that mastication yeah, happening yeah. to, to keep trigger it in your the mouth, stomach? Move the jaw, do the things. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, um, keep continue. <laughs> no, you're right. There's a kind of thing. So what else? Like other things like um, when you are eating your food, make that the only activity. So you're trying to digest your food. If you're also trying to digest the news or if you're also trying to digest the email that you are reading, it's just going to take away the energy reserves for your digestion. So that's going to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting down to eat uh, for the busy ones that I know you like to work with, um, eating on the go, like you're only doing yourself a disservice. And if you do that, then you're not going to have enough energy. So it's again, self-care is a strategy. So taking just that little minute of your day to sit down and eat your meals. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I put in there? There's a few. I've got a hand on a handout on my website that you can just download. And I would just be don't overstress about it, but just do your best with getting these healthy habits and routines in place. And that's going to benefit the way that you can digest your food. And then just a little guideline with the foods. Um, Again, I think we all know which foods are junk foods. Just know that every time that you choose to eat these junk foods, which tend to be high sugar or processed, um, not great for us, they will be causing inflammation in your gut, which can then go systemic, which can cause inflammation in your brain, which can make you feel anxious or depressed or both, which will then lead you to want more of those foods and the cycle just perpetuates. So just making small little changes where you can, constantly asking yourself, is this going to take me closer to or further away from my goals? Being gentle with yeah. you, gentle with you. You don't need to do anything perfectly. Trying to do everything perfectly will probably slow down your healing progress. So just doing the best that you can and gentle with you in these weird, weird times. Progress, not perfection. And I also like like the idea of moving forward in curiosity. So, if, you know, a lot of people sort of get a little bit of anxiety about eating a different way or even cooking with a recipe they may not be familiar. And instead of being like, oh, I can't do that or I don't know what to do, just be like, wonder what happens if I do this. Yeah, that's really good. And our bodies will change as well. So the the more that we heal, our needs will change and our tolerances Mm -hmm. will change. So if you're suffering with a load of food intolerances right now, that doesn't have to be your destiny forever. So just because maybe you can't digest eggs right now, heal up your gut, see if you can tolerate them in six weeks' time. Staying curious, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's wonderful. Absolutely. And that microbiome as well also changes based on where you live, the diversity of places that you are exposed to physically and you breathe in those environments. Like it's not just you get one, you destroy it with sugar and that's it. Like you can rebuild it, you can find other ways to add diversity into the microbiome in multiple parts of your body, not just your stomach as well. Totally. And all the little bits add up to the things. The things that we can do on a daily basis will serve us better than big things that we can do a couple of times a week, maybe like say with exercise. If you exercise for five minutes every day, that's going to be better for you than trying to exercise for three hours twice a week. Uh, Even though the time of like six hours is very different to 35 minutes, like the effects will be better. 
Yeah, absolutely. Small things. Um, well, you mentioned your um, your download on your website, so we'll put a link in the show notes for everybody to get their hands on that. But otherwise, where can people find out about you online and go and hang out with you? Mm, well, I'm pretty active on Instagram, which is kirsten.green.nd, and then my website is my name, so kirsten-green. Green's got an E on the end.com. Heaps of goodies on there. There's lots of freebie stuff to get you started. There's little online quizzes that you can do. There's different programs that I offer. So much stuff. Um, if you have any questions, just email my team and we'll get back to you pretty quick. So, um, yeah, everything awesome. gets better. I love I love what I do. You know that I love what I do. Um, I've been so sick myself, been so stressed myself, anxious, depressed. I wouldn't say that I ever got to the planning stage, but for sure I had suicidal thoughts. So to get from there to here is absolutely possible. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, And it's nice to be supported and guided through it. You don't need to do it alone. It's really nice. Totally. And for everybody listening that's been a sort of a loyal follower of the show, like I've sent a few people to Kirsten. I highly respect Kirsten as a practitioner and really encourage people that do have severe gut health stuff and not just SIBO. You don't have to be just diagnosed SIBO, but any of the gut health complications, um, Kirsten is the best. Go to Kirsten. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Manny. You're amazing. I really appreciate it. That's really cool. You're very welcome. And so to wrap up, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? Oh, my gosh, many. One. One. Um, <laughs> Everyone says that. Just one. <laughs> well, in terms of, and going with today's topic, like do not underestimate the effect that stress will have on your body and your gut health and your life, I think is one thing that I would like to do there. And small little baby steps. And if you can just do this little 10-day challenge of the 10 deep breaths, I would be ecstatic. That'd be awesome. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Yeah, amazing. Thanks, Maddie. Always a pleasure. <laughs> awesome. So for everyone listening, all the links will be in the show notes below. We loved having you here and we loved having Kirsten here. And no doubt you'll be back again. Maybe, maybe a little less than 100 <laughs> episodes next time before episodes before we jump on again. But thanks so much for being here and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, legend. See you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.